This is a Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Sean Hamilton, Jim Spence, and Alan Temple. Gosh, don't know what a collective noun is for such talent, but there we go. Eh? We'll, we'll bash on a lot of lot of bases to cover. Uh, Derby's Dunfermline, Saints up at Petodre, and we'll we will start with the Derby, of course. And and Jim, last week we spoke about the importance of for United and Dundee of getting the win. That kind of took the pressure off a wee bit and gave them the the momentum going into this game. Well, neither of them got it um, straight off the bat. Where's the where does the pressure lie in this game? Is it equally equally split for you? I think that there are different types of pressure. I think for Tom Courts, it's his first uh, first time he'll pick a um, a team for the the City Derby. Maybe the last. You know, <laughs> you never know how these things go. You know, no, I mean, I mean, I'm all Good joking. Tom, I'm all joking, Tom. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, for Tom, it's his, his kind of first. Um, Derby pick, so there's pressure there, obviously, because obviously you want to do well. United are off to the better start. Both both teams should have won last week. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that it's acceptable, really, for United and uh, Dundee to not be beating St. Martin and Livingston. Neil McCoy's the mass well. They're both bigger clubs by a long way. But anyhow, you know, they didn't. Neither did they. They, they both drew nil nil. Need to find their shooting boots. But there's pressure on Tom Courts in the respect. He's, he's you know, he's um, starting his United career. He's into. Um, a derby game against what to me looks like the strongest Dundee squad in many a long year. So there's also pressure on James McBake because he's assembled um, j- just that, a strong-looking Dundee squad. There'll be a fairly hefty wage bill at Dens Park. Tim Keyes keeps piling in there and, and supporting the club as, as he has done since he came in. Um, so there's different types of pressure on each of the two managers. You know, Tam Courts, many still regard them as kind of a novice, you know, junior football and all the rest, you know, what the kind of the, the, the doomsayers are like in this city, you know. So there's pressure on him. Um, you know, a really heavy defeat would... would uh, uh, wouldn't go down well among the, the Tannadice faithful. Um, and similarly, you know, if Dundee with that strong squad that they've assembled were to take a real doing at Tannadice, then the Dark Blues aficionados would, would be would be on the case. And, and you know, and, and the Dundee powers that be wouldn't be happy either. So there's different types of pressure on each of them, but the pressure on both is, is to avoid a doing and, and, and to win the game. Um, in terms of league position, not hugely important. I don't mean not hugely important. I think, as I said last week, my courier call, I think it's far better better he got off to a good start than a bad start. It can make the difference between top six and scrabbling about in the basement come the end of the season. But there's only, you know, there's four points separating the two sides. So Dundee win narrows it to a point, a United win, um, stretches it to, you know, to seven points. Uh, so there's, there's differences in that respect. There's different types of pressure on each of them as a derby game always always brings. But there are unusual elements to it. Tom Courts in his first ever derby uh, and James McPake with a very strong squad that he's assembled, I think, needs to be looking for a win. Yeah, Sean, I mean, can we, can we paint this as a... A team, one team that looks very well drilled already, you know, keeps its shape, strong system against a team, I'm talking about United here, against a team with more sort of mavericks, more individual match winners. Is that, would that be a fair way of, of painting it? I suppose you could paint it like that, yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I haven't not seen a great deal of Dundee. I have to say that I, I, I I've seen more of United than I have of Dundee this season. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think Dundee are a side that, that 
that don't have a sort of grasp of of, of the system and no, no. they do as well. But yeah, in terms of the Maverick angle, I mean, yeah, we've spoken before about the makeup of Dundee's squad and and the quality that they've they've got sprinkled from midfield to front, particularly. There are not just one or two, but, but a good handful. I was gonna say it's more than sprinkled. Game changers there. Yeah. Um in that squad. So I mean that regardless of whether whether a side has a grasp of their system or not, and again I'm not saying Dundee don't, but regardless of, of that side of things, if you've got players of, of with that sort of out of nowhere quality that can that can change a game, it's it, it's almost less important, I think, because these these guys can produce something from nowhere. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's certainly that element to it. Um, so I mean, it, it's genuinely quite quite a fascinating encounter um, to kind of to kind of look at from this point, um, and really, I mean, for for the big thing is. <laughs> and maybe we'll come on to this, but in, in speaking to pals, and, and yes, I do have a few, believe it or not, um, <laughs> both Dundee United and Dundee fans. The Dundee fans seem to be <laughs> oh, just absolutely dreading it for some are reason. Oh, the, I think so. And I think, I, I think they, always, comes, they usually do, don't they? Let's yeah, say, well, yeah. I think it comes along with just the, the, the frankly dreadful record that they've got at Tannerice. Um, in, in recent years um, <laughs> they've really really struggled to beat United on their own patch for a very long time actually So, uh, and, and I think that coupled with the news of, of injuries to, to Charlie Adam obviously and, and, and Paul McMullen who you know, may well be back um, but I think that the prospect of losing a couple of key players has has got them slightly worried as well. That's that's my experience from talking to them. I just I'm not sensing a lot of positivity from Dundee fans going into this one. Well, I think yeah, I think you could, you could pick that out for any any derby preview over the years. I just think that's become the natural disposition of the two uh, the two sets of fans. United, like you say, United have enjoyed so much joy, um, and the, the and particularly in the the championship season when they were both there, uh, it was some there was a couple of there was a couple of really really pivotal results that season Alan I mean you've you've seen them both in 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 the flesh I've been I've been, I've, I've been impressed by uh this sort of the the you know how quickly United players and their manager have kind of shown themselves to be on the same page in terms of tactics and you know like I say the way they've the way they've been coached all that sort of stuff um are you do you do you see him? I I get the feel of Tam Courts that he's maybe maybe it's maybe harsh this, but I get the feel that he will try to treat this like any other game, you know, and take the emotion out of it. Or is that is that me misreading him? Or do you think do you think he he will try and tap into the emotion of it? I think that's quite fair. I think he's quite a analytical, quite a circumspect character. So I think that would probably be a fairly uh, reasonable assessment but then again he's a man that's managed in the juniors with Kelty Hearts so I'm sure he's a man that's got um, uh, a fair awareness of the fact that you can channel a bit of aggression and yeah. a bit of uh, you know, crowd enthusiasm into, into a fixture so it'll be a bit of both but he definitely will sit down and look at it 
tactically look at it, um, you know, in terms of his analysis and where can you actually get at this Dundee team? And I mean, touching on, uh, you know, how he's done so far, I've seen the good and the bad of Dundee United this season up at Aberdeen. I thought they were uh, dreadful. And uh, against St Johnston, albeit St Johnston weren't fantastic that day, I thought they were really uh, put together, really well drilled and, uh, and deservedly won that match. So I've seen kind of the, the good and the bad at this point. And I think there is reasonable, you know, reason to be, to be cheerful, especially with some of the some of the additions, I think you know once they really click and once they get into gear, people with like Ilbari Niskan and and Dylan Levitt, you know, international class players, um, allied with the prospect, if they can get him firing of Mark McNulty, I think there's plenty of talent and and reason to reason to be positive there. But Mark McNulty is a big one for me. You know, we discussed the the talent in that. Um, Dundee side and there's a lot of kind of mercurial goal scorers in that team albeit you know they've not quite uh, rippled the net with regularity just yet but guys like Lee Griffiths and Jason Cummings you would back to score a guilt edge chance in a big game and Mark McNulty needs to become that guy again who because he, he absolutely has the capability but he just needs to really click really get back to the Mark McNulty that was banging in the goals Probably, you know, the, the best example recently would be for Hibs when he got back into the Scotland side. I mean, Jim, you've seen seen and heard and read James McPeak. He his his career, or certainly the, the the latter few years of his career, the the Derbys have kind of, you know, they have they have absolutely it's, they've been woven through, haven't they? You know, the highs and lows. You know, you think you're thinking about the the goal at. Uh, at Tanadice, you're thinking about the, the the serious injury. You're thinking about the managerial, you know, management-wise, the the sort of traumatic experiences Dundee had under his under his stewardship. So you can already see him. I mean, there's no way he's treating this like any other game. You know, he he's spoken about you know the walk. You know, sometimes I think that can get overplayed. You know, it's but it's 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 hugely important to the to the city. But you know. He is going to tap into, isn't he? He's going to. He's there's no there's no danger of uh, James McPeak saying this is just another three points, lads. Is there? No, I mean it's, it, it, it is another three points, in ter- or or one point because it might be a draw. <laughs> um, it is another three points if you win, and only three points. But there, there's a combination of, of things, uh, you know, at stake here. You know, on, on a kind of on a, on the basis of the Sunday, there's bragging rights, obviously, you know, for the pubs and the the clubs and uh, you know the the workplace the next day and all the rest of it. But the, 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 there's also there's history involved in this as well. I mean, and and, and history stands in favour of United. You know, I mean, they've won eighty three of the of, of these games against fifty five for for Dundee, unless my stats are are, are wrong. Um, so United are very much the top dogs in the city, and that goes back now. That goes back half a century, in fact. Now, so you know, D- Dundee are, are are trying to overturn, you know, a combination of things. Things going against them at Tannadice, very much so in the Derby, and uh, for a good number of years now. Um, and also, I know what you mean about kind of you know it is only a game, but you know Tannadice is a peculiar cauldron. The crowd, you know, the crowd are right. It's a bit like Tynecastle on that respect. The crowd are right on top of you at Tannadice, and it requires a certain kind of mentality to be able to handle that. And and all the chat and the talk and the preparation in the world about dressing rooms being calm and cool and collected and keep your head can very quickly go out the window. All it takes is for somebody to go right through you in the first thirty seconds of the game chop you almost in half, yeah. you know, with a wild off. tackle. Yeah. Um, 
And the next thing we've seen it, you know, players are in a bit, they're shoving, there's a Barney going on, managers are losing the plot, and the whole the absolutely whole love to see game. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly what we're looking for, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's look, let's be honest about it. this is Scottish football, with it, and none of us are going to denigrate it, but we're not going to see Liverpool the other night, you know, we're, we're not going to see the kind of uh, the, some of the stuff that we saw in the Champions League the other night. This is Scottish football in the raw, it, it's what it is, it, it's community based, it's tribal, and, and, and it's pretty. It, can be a pretty rough old trade at times, you know. So this game will be about who wants to win the most. I mean, on the face of it, Dundee looked to me to have a, a, a arguably um, a, a more talented squad. Not much in it, but a more talented squad. And yet, you know, in terms of, the t- you know, you look at the league table and that never lies. They, you know, they've played five games and they haven't won one yet. You know, they've drawn three and they've lost two. So the, the, these are the simple facts, whereas United have won two. Um, so, you know, y- y- the game's not not played on paper. And similarly, no matter how the two managers try to prepare uh, their teams, it can all go out the window very, very quickly. And that's why I think the experience campaigners are really important for this. Charlie Adam, if he's fit for uh, for Dundee. Griffiths, if, 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 you know, if he's uh, presume, presuming he's been, you know, uh, not wrapped in cotton wool this week, but he's getting up in his fitness and he's fit. He's got that kind of, you know, he strikes a ball better than anyone in Scottish football. He's, uh, you know, on the run. He gets a half yard to get away from people. But they're both experienced campaigners. I think Charlie McGrew is a hugely experienced campaigner who will be, you know, hugely important for United in this game. But, you know, the head can be lost very, very quickly indeed in a game like this. So, you know, preparations can go out the window really, really quickly in a derby game like this. As I say, the first wild tackle and, and you've got 13,000 fans screaming and bawling at you. It can all go up in the air very, very quickly indeed. So, you know, there's history at stake, there's, there's tradition at stake, there's James McPake's record and the ups and downs he's had, Tom McPake's first derby. It can all mean nothing after 30 seconds with the first wild tackle. Sean, there won't be, there won't be many games, many fixtures this season where when James McPake, remember, he's, he's, a, he's a young manager, this is his first season in... Uh, as a top flight manager, there won't be many games where he kind of feels like the senior, the senior man, if you like. And I think he's, I think he's. Well, you'll answer the question: Has he been trying a wee bit the? Has he been trying to sort of put that across this week with a wee bit the mind games with, uh, you know, look at the hard decision that, uh, you know, Tam Courtsberg get his goalkeeping decision right now. We'll speak about the actual selection in a minute. But do you, do you, did you pick up on that as well? That you know. James McPake will be thinking, look, you know, yeah, I've I've done I've I've had a few more derbies than you type thing. Yeah, and why not? Yeah, no, I, like, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, the, the whole thing about the goalkeeper, and well, it was directly addressed to the, the goalkeeper question that Tom Courts has got. If you like, if if Seagrest is fit, does he does he throw him in, or does he stick with Carson, who's who's done uh, a. a, a Unimpeachable job, thoroughly decent. So, I mean, that is a it's a, a head scratcher um, for him. So, yeah, uh, it's quite amusing, really, to see James McPake sort of casting that up and, and saying, "Oof, I would like to make that decision." Yeah, it doesn't happen by accident, does it? You know, you're not <laughs> no, definitely not. No, it's it's all fun and games, good pantomime stuff. It, it actually, it puts puts me in mind of, uh, I know, I'm, I'm I'm drawn to. St Johnston, as always, uh, but but Tommy Wright doing it famously with um, Jackie McNamara at Dundee oh, yeah, United before yeah, the Scottish yeah. Cup final in two thousand and fourteen, uh, where he basically came in and said, "I know, I know what his lineup is now." <laughs> um, and well he did. Yeah. Well, he did. Eh? So, 
so the, these things can, whether they win you games or not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but they can certainly um, they can give you a wee psychological edge. I think if you if you if you use them correctly, Play, players so, like yeah, players like to to feel their managers in control during a big week, don't they? I th- I, th- I think I think that's a reasonable thing to say. You know, it is a bit pantomime for us, but I think, you know, players, you know, they tap into that, don't they? I know that you go back to it. I know the St. Johnston players got, you know, a real sort of feeling of security when, when Tommy Wright was kind of, you know, dictating the agenda. At you the know, capers, and, yeah. <laughs> the capers, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but absolutely, why not? I mean, if, if, you, if you're... Again, that's not that's not an inexperienced squad at Dundee. That's that's a lot of players who've been around the course before um, and and at a higher level in, in in lots of cases as well. So it can't hurt for them to see a manager coming out and and I suppose being being so on the front <laughs> foot. Yeah, yes, yeah. I think it must, it must give them a bit. Of, well, he's having himself before this game, so therefore. If he's having himself, why why oh, won't why, I why have him as well? I'm I'm, yeah. I'm 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 backing him too. So, uh, yeah, it was it's enjoyable. Um, <laughs> and, uh, obviously, I mean, Tam Courts hasn't spoken yet. But it'd be funny if he cracks on with it as well. Ah, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah, quite right. I know. We've, we've got we've got papers to sell after all. Yeah. Uh, so, who are you having as your goalkeeper then, Alan? Oh wow, that's a hell of a question, and uh, I'll give you a suitably dull answer, which is uh, <laughs> unless I'm taking training. Same how your good answers for them filming, aren't you? I know. I, unless I'm taking training, you can't possibly answer that. If both men are fully fit on an even keel, and uh, that's how you're making your judgment, then Benjamin Segrist all day long. Um, I think both men are solid custodians, but Benjamin he, he makes saves that. Um, very few goalkeepers in Scotland can make. Um, he's you. a match winner. You. He, you know, no no goalkeeper made more saves in the Premiership than Benjamin Segrist last season. So um, it's a, it's it's a great choice for Dundee United to have. I mean, that's the the thing that we do need to say. You know, you've got a choice between two really uh, top notch, reliable, steady goalkeepers. It just happens that one of them. I believe has the capability to pull off something really, really special um, on the day. And yeah, if it's an even keel, then I think you go Seagrest. If you're erring on the side of caution and a slightly concerned about is he a hundred percent, then go Carson because uh, he won't let you down. No chance he'll let you or down. Or how Carson takes it because I don't think I think I think United's plans. Read the goalkeeping keeping situation. I think you know they didn't. Ex- obviously, you can't predict the injury. I think they were expecting Carson to be the number one and Seagrass to have, to have moved on. So now you've not. It's not like you've brought in a keeper with the expectations of being a backup. All of a sudden, he's played well. You take him out, and then he really, really will feel like a backup. So these are the things, Alan, aren't they? That you have to you have to weigh up. It's and no wonder James McPake raised it because. It's not an easy one at all. It's not as simple as just like, there's my number one, he's back, he's fit, I play him, isn't it? And I totally get what you're saying, but at the same time, plans change. And while that may have been the original plan, you now do still have Benjamin Segrist on your books. And you you can't afford to... Um, you know, keep him sitting on the bench and devalue an asset. Now, um, you know, it doesn't exactly look great for Benjamin Segrist to extend his contract and, and done the United Bank a big fee for him. But at the same time, that 
you know that that could happen. So you know you, you can't afford to just bench and devalue an asset like Seagrest um, because you assumed that he wouldn't still be around. You know things things change, and you need to make the decision based on um, based on fundamentally what's the best eleven football players yeah. you can put out on the pitch. But Jim, top managers make the make these big decisions at the right to, and they get them right, don't they? You know, I remember. Uh, Xander Clark was, you know, you got this. I know it's not quite the same dynamic with Elliot Parrish, but Elliot Parrish started the season last season and didn't actually really. You, you wouldn't have said when Saints were struggling that he was at the root of it. He wasn't really, he wasn't making any obvious mistakes. But after two or three weeks, Xander Clark came back in and it was just, you know, it was because of the sort of, yeah, he obviously clearly thought he's my number one goalkeeper. He's red. Now, now, is, now is the time, you know? Where would you? Which way would you go? I'd, I'd, I'd go for Seagrest. I mean, you know, as the economists are fond of saying, ceteris paribus, all other things being equal, as Alan Temple said there. You know, I mean, uh, Seagrest is the he better goalkeeper. He didn't say that. <laughs> he's, he's the better goalkeeper. Um, but it depends, you know, how fit he is, what they're doing in training, how they're looking. But you'd always go with your number one. I think the danger here, you know, I'm a big fan of sports psychology. However, that said, you can overthink things. And I think sometimes managers have a tendency to overthink things. The duty on the day is to go with your strongest and your best 11. Uh, you know, depending on how tactically how you've worked it out and all the rest of it. But the duty on the day is to go with your best 11 um, to, to start the game. Um, and you, you choose your subs through a combination of things through, you know, who's maybe, who's been sharp enough that week in training, who's, is there anyone carrying a slight niggle and all the rest of it? If Segrist isn't carrying, um, you know, any knocks or any of the rest of it, I don't think you can go on the basis that you don't want to upset Carson's uh, confidence as a fragile flower. I don't think he can be. You know, most 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 football players are are, are are mentally pretty tough characters. They've got to be. It's a game which provides as many knocks, probably more knocks, than it does um, comfort blankets. So you've got to be a tough character. And you can't work on the basis that, oh, Segrist might be away in the January window, so we better keep Carson happy. We brought him in thinking that, you know, you, you've got to go with your strongest uh, squad, your strongest team, the strongest squad around about you. That's how you go with it. And if both if both men are... Uh, are fit and able and ready to go, I would go with Seagrest. Sean Dundee, you know, there's a few selection things bubbling under the surface there as well. You know, the the possibility of Charlie Adam being back, it's been teased. I think we're expecting McMullen to come back. I think James McPeak said, you know, he, he possibly could have been risked last weekend. So you put Charlie Adam back in it if he's fit, just purely because he's of his big game. Now, some experience, and you expecting? Are you expecting that to happen? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I mean, uh, if he if he is fit, then I I think I think you play him uh, for the reasons that you've you've just expressed. Um, whether he will be fit or not is another question. I don't think he will be. Now that's not based on any insider knowledge or anything like that. I'm, I'm pulling it out of my ass. Just read a text from Charlie, haven't you? Come on, <laughs> yes. be, be honest. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> so, but I think um, it, what, what's what's notable to me is that I mean, last weekend, uh, maybe to be fair, maybe Charlie's at the capers as well. But certainly last weekend, he's, he's <laughs> actually he's speaking to Alan Temple, who's here, um, and saying. <laughs> Saying that he he would have sort of different duties on Derby Day. Did oh, that's good of him. Come on, Alan. Is Charlie the capers? <laughs> 
Uh, Here the man well, that looked in the whites of his eyes. Uh, let's put it this way. I asked him specifically how his uh, injury was getting on, and he told me he was feeling good. But he did not tell me he was feeling like Lazarus and ready to stride on at Tanadice. So um, it's been a hell of a turnaround in the last couple of days. He was speaking about you know the uh, the fact that he was relieved that it was only a six week diagnosis, and how you know it's disappointing to miss some big games coming up, but he'll still have you know duties in the stand mic'd up and talking to James McPake and giving him wee tactical tidbits from the stand. So he was speaking like a man that wasn't uh, expecting to play. However, maybe he went into training on Monday, did a wee run and, you know, got reassessed. <laughs> uh, I've got no idea. But I, if I had to call it right now, I'd be calling mind games, big mind games. <laughs> so he's not, he's not playing, he's not playing in goals, no. No, <laughs> See, I, I, I would, I would agree with that. That's where I'm taking my position from. The fact that you've got a guy last weekend who seemed fa- fairly certain that he wasn't going to be taking part, um, and then through the week you've got the manager going, "Oh, he's a quick healer." Aye. But by the, <laughs> oh, right, okay. by the, so- by right. the sounds of it, I don't think Callum Davison will be expecting to face him either in midweek. But there we go. But that's hanging in the background, Adler, Alan. Actually, isn't it? You could make it if you took the uh, if you took the uh, the surgical clinical look at this. Both teams have got bigger games in midweek than they do on Sunday, or or do they? That's a really interesting question. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the opportunity to reach Hamden and the fact that you know St Johnston showed last season that you know it is a realistic prospect to to win tro- you know a trophy or trophies as it turned out to be, you know that does I think it's given every club in Scotland that's still involved in, in these sort of competitions a real shot in the arm, a real boost that that something magical is possible. So yeah, I mean there's an argument that could be made, but. When you consider the fact that these sides haven't played each other since December 2019, you know it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of shrug off and be all um, kind of cool about it and say, "Ah, oh, we've got a bigger game in, in midweek." You know, it's it's Derby Day. This is you know it should be the biggest game on the you know before a ball's kicked. It should be the one you're circling on a calendar. So loath to say the one in midweek is is bigger. But if you were to, to step back and look at it analytically and bigger glories that could lie ahead, then you know you you could make that argument. Quick, Sean, give give uh, Tom Course a text before he does his press and tell him that, that that's the line. We've got a bigger we've got a bigger game in, in midweek. <laughs> right, right. I'll come along the line then, Jim. How do you see it going? Um, I, you know, I've got a sneaky feeling that Dundee could win this one. Looking at it on paper, they they have a, a very decent squad. I think much much depends. Listen, I'm, I'm in the school of thought that I'll eat my heart if Charlie doesn't start this game. You know, <laughs> I think oh, there's yeah, a touch yeah, of mind, there we go. A touch of mind games going on here. You know. Um, <laughs> Uh, or if not start making an appearance at some stage of the game I may well be wrong it wouldn't be the first you think, time you think I was, Mr Tepper's been had you think he's been had <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time yeah. listen I, in a lengthy career in journalism and it's not dead yet hopefully I, I have looked into the whites of the eyes of managers uh, no names, no pack draw and said I believe you're signing so and so tomorrow the chairman has told me no came the lie we're not. So <laughs> I believe nothing I'm told anymore by football managers and players. You know, it's, they've got to do it. You absolutely understand why they do it. Um, you're, you're playing mind games against your opponent because, you know, very often your job's at stake, not necessarily in one game, but, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's all about the game. By the way, I don't for a minute believe that the midweek ties are as big 
as the, the derby on Sunday. Um, the, the chance to reach a, a semi-final in the Scottish League Cup is great, but it is only the League Cup. Um, the, 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 the opportunity to stay in the Premiership is the key thing. When it comes to money and, and keeping the lights on at Dens or Tannadice, you know, winning the League Cup or, or, or staying in the Premiership, you would take the, the take staying in the Premiership every day of the week, you know, so that, that's a big game. You can't afford to think that far ahead anyhow. But looking at it on paper, uh, Dundee, I think, have got a great chance of winning this one, but it's not played on paper. United are the foreign team in terms of kind of you know the league start and all the rest of it. I think it's a combination of things. If McNulty can find his lethality in front of goal because he's mobile, he's sharp. He bore down in goal against St Mirren and missed a sitter midweek, but it was a, it was a smartness and the alacrity with which he left the defence standing. Once he gets his eye in. And if he can do that on Sunday, then he could be the difference um, between him, you know, and Mulgrew. I think at the back are key men. Griffiths, if Griffiths is playing up front, if he's got, you know, if he's got seventy, eighty percent the sharpness that he had at Celtic, then that's a real danger to United. Um, and you know, if Charlie Adam is playing, and I've got a sneaky suspicion he will, the range of passes, the free kick ability he's got, and all the rest of it, I think puts Dundee at somewhat of an advantage over United. So. I've got a sneaky suspicion that Dundee could win this one, so I'm going for a draw. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, I'm putting you down as a Dundee win. Right, we've got one for a Dundee win. We'll chop out that draw bit, Sean, when you're editing this. Okay. Right, one for a Dundee win. Sean, are we going? You? But my prediction is Jim yeah. will be eating his heart, first of all. Because Adam will not be starting. Uh, in terms of the game... Um, you're, you're not fun anymore. Such a... So Johnson, so Johnson can't win this one, Sean. No. And I, the other thing that I thought was notable there, Jim, was oh, it's just the League Cup. You know, this is what happens when you support a team that doesn't win trophies, isn't it? That's it. Just... Uh, I, I didn't mean to be quite how, as How do you, you denigrate you know I mean? one half of St. Johnson's double? <laughs> come on. Anyway, get, come on. Uh, Who's uh, winning? I... I actually think Dundee might win yeah, as well. well. I've got a sneaky Dundee. suspicion <laughs> that Dundee, Dundee could, could get something. Alan, we get a clean sweep. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with what could be construed as sitting on the fence, but I'll give you a scoreline just to put my neck out slightly. I think it's going to be a two-two thriller. Um, McNulty will get on the score sheet. Griffiths will score because narrative dictates that Lee Griffiths is going to score in the Dundee Derby with one hundred percent. But you, you I, want to I share my heart. <laughs> 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 I think it's a really good game, though. I think it's really itchy peachy when you look at the the squads. And um, yeah, I think it is. Let's. Uh, I'll sit in the fence, but at least uh, sit in the fence in an entertaining fashion. Oh, you yeah. sit in the fence, oh, you sticks in your ears, as Sean would say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That'll get cut out as well. Okay. Oh no, right. that's dinner. <laughs> Right, good stuff, guys. Well, that's the, that's the. I hear Eric. You're not. You're not getting away with it. You're not getting away oh, with it. What aye, do you aye, think? Exactly. Aye. <laughs> Oh, changing my mind. I don't think quiet, that, eh? No, I'm not going quiet. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the thriller that. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know. You know, I'm. I'm, I'm agreeing with uh, with our esteemed columnist, Rob Douglas. He, he's. He's not. He thinks this will turn into a cage. I, I, yeah, I think. I just think that. I think that the way. United are going to approach it. I just don't see them opening up. Um, I think. 
Listen, I do. I think it'll be a draw, possibly a United one. No, there we go. I don't think it's going to be. I, I, a, a I'm a raging Sean. He's not. He's never called me an esteemed. He's called me a steaming columnist, but he's never called me an esteemed columnist. <laughs> right, I'll go for. I'll go for a United one. A United one. No, there we go. Then. Okay. Just just to save just to save this podcast being pinned up on the Tannis dressing room wall. If you pin a podcast on a the wall, there. right? That, that's it. Boxed off. Can as promised, we're straight into Dunfermline and. Peter Grant and all the troubles that God, I still call him recently appointed manager Peter Grant is in. Alan, you you are well. We're gonna, I'm going to call you our Dunfermline man. You're as near you're near to it as damn it. So you, you're certainly in with the bricks at East End Park. You you kind of you've had a you've spoken you've spoken to the owners. You do regularly pressers with with Peter Grant. You're, you're watching Dunfermline. First question: How how has it come to this? that they're absolutely miles off the, the championship promotion race already. Well, he certainly has been recently appointed. 112 days. I told you he was Mr. Dunfermline. He's counting days. There we go. It's <laughs> spiralled quickly. Um, yeah, it's. I think it really feels like it's reached a tipping point. I thought Peter Grant was fairly blunt um, in midweek when he basically said, I'm not going to quit, but... If the board were to decide to sack me, I would look at that decision and say I've had nothing but support and I could have no qualms. So that's when you've got a man broaching the notion of his own sacking, then it's uh, someone that realises that we've, we've, we've reached a point where it's make or break. I think this weekend, um, you know, as we speak, and you might be listening to this after the results come in, but you know, as we speak, they play Inverness on Saturday and... Uh, it's it feels huge. Um, the the atmosphere at Somerset Park for last week's three one defeat got pretty toxic in the away end. Um, and if that is repeated at East End Park, um, and hopefully it doesn't get personal or anything, because Peter Grant is a is a decent guy doing you know he's uh, the best Did he can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You know, hopefully it doesn't get too nasty. But if you know if the atmosphere does turn at East End Park, um, I think a, a decision. A decision will be made because this is, um, you know, you, uh, you were as giddy as a schoolgirl this morning at the prospect of nailing me to the wall on my confirmation <laughs> for the title <laughs> prediction. So, uh, and I'll tell you, and that's the reason why a decision. Yeah, guilty hearts as well, because I can fall back on that. But it's um, it's because a decision has to be made because it's a squad that people were looking at and thinking maybe they. Could win the league. You oh know, yeah, and I mean, joke, joke, joking apart, they 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 should have been absolutely nailed on title contenders. You know, the, with the squad that they have. I mean, how has it? You talk about spiral. How has it spiraled this quickly? You know, what's what's happened? That, they can't that defend. I mean, that's defend, the, yeah. fundamentally. If you were to look at for purely footballing point of view, they they can't defend. They've shipped sixteen goals in their last five competitive games and. Some of the goals they've conceded have been, you know, with, with due respect to people involved, farcical, um, and it's the same. It's the same sort of errors um, every week. You know, it's it's errors that either showcase a a lack of confidence, but. Peter Grant keeps playing those players or it's errors that come from um, players perhaps being asked to do things that I'm not sure Beyond they the or any players yeah. that aren't in the Premiership are capable of doing. It's, you know, it's there's a reason why you don't see many Championship teams playing out from the back, inviting pressure, slipping the ball through the lines to space elsewhere because it's bloody difficult to do. And uh, you can have... 
um, philosophies and grand ideas on the game, but there also has to be a, a sense of realism. And it spiralled because fundamentally they're losing games, shipping goals, and fans are sick of seeing the same thing happening week on week and the same things being said um, after the game week on week. And, uh, you know, this fundamentally, you're looking at a, a squad that's, you know, t- Nikolai Todorov, Craig White, and Dom Thomas, Kai Kennedy, Graham Dorans, if you get them in a deep yeah. position playing passes and, and play to his strengths, don't, you know, you cannot tell me that should be a team bottom of the championship and, um, and, and looking every inch a team at the bottom of the championship. Jim, Alan sums it up brilliantly there, you know, from watching them and, and, and dealing with Peter Grant, it just feels like, listen, you can't rule out them, them any team digging out a result, but it's just, it's a bleak, bleak picture, isn't it? It really mm. is. Yeah, Peter's the wrong man in the wrong movie, uh, Eric. I mean, I think a lot of Dunfermline fans wonder when he came from Aloha, um to the job. Now, he's, he's, you know, he's a highly experienced uh, player. He's, he's been involved in various managerial coaching positions. I was going to say, he's, he's, you know, he's but, reputa- his CV as a coach is as the best bits are as a number two, aren't they? Yeah, that, that's right. And, and and being a number two and a number, as we've discovered this over the years in a great, with a great many people. Some people are kind of, are very good number twos. Some people um, just don't have what it takes to be number one. But the bottom line is quite simple. I mean, the league table doesn't lie. So their family are now in a position where they have to um, think long and hard about the fact that they meet a team on Saturday, and we, you know, God bless we Dodgy has got Inverness absolutely flying. You know, five five straight wins, um, <clears throat> done fantastically well. Fourteen points of difference between the two sides. Now, I, I would hazard the guess that Dunfermline are a better resource side than Inverness. They're certainly a better supported side than Inverness. They're certainly a club with kind of bigger tradition and all the rest of it. No harm in Inverness. Higher, done, a higher ceiling, aren't they? they? They've definitely yes. got a higher um, ceiling. And, and and they face, you know, coming out of a game on Saturday and at East End Park, which is really dangerous because it can be a pretty volatile crowd there, they, they face coming out of a game where they are 17 points adrift of the league leaders, uh, having played, well, by then they'll have played five, Inverness will have played six games. I mean, that's just unsustainable. I think the, the, the hammering that they got from Arbroath, and it was, and I know that Arbroath have, you know, hammered uh, Hamilton uh, the week after as well, and Dick's done a fabulous job down there. Two separate things, but the hammering that they got from Arbroath, people would have been looking saying, hang on a second, this is a full-time squad. There's, uh, you know, it, Alan's just gone through the players there, and, and it's actually, it's funny, when you're not watching Dunfermline week in, week out, or particularly kind of across... The nuances, you know, you want at one time what's going on, you're looking, you think, yeah, I forgot he was there, he's there, he's there. Yeah, he's left a few. He couldn't name them all, he's left a few out, you know. That's a squad. Why are they they languishing at bottom of the table? But, you know, to some extent, you're almost at the stage now where you think the excuses really don't matter. Um, What you're faced with is making that that decision. A, um, has the league gone? Yes. Um, can we do can we do anything about it at this stage? No, highly unlikely. That that doesn't mean to say you can't make a playoff place, and even that looks tough. Um, have we got the right man for the job? It looks like not. Is there a replacement that we can ship in that will do a better job? Well, that's debatable. I would be astonished if Dunfermline, you know, we've all played this game, we've all been in this movie as well as journalists, I'd be astonished if Dunfermline hadn't already had the feelers out to see who might replace him. Is there someone from within? Don't know. Is there someone from without um, who might, you know, be the type of individual who could come in and galvanise the club and get the best out the players that are there? Um, I'd be astonished if a decision isn't made next week. Well, yeah, but I think I always have a, I always have a problem, Sean, that when and you hear things and you think, right, okay, minds are made of, but made up, but 
we'll we'll give him one more. And that I I, I don't like that because say I mean you you can you can imagine that you know Dunfermline could you know it's a one-off game. In, Inverness aren't aren't Rangers or Celtic. You know they're, you know they're, they're a team that's doing very well at the moment. But Dunfermline could win this game, and then all the things that Alan says are still true. But then you're losing a few weeks. I mean, I I go, but as as I've said in this podcast, a, a few to, I'm a you know a Liverpool fan, so you know I pay attention to all the stuff that happens there. And one of the best decisions that Liverpool, the best decision that ever Liverpool ever made, was uh, was getting rid of Brendan Rodgers. But they did it after he, he drew at, at uh, Everton, which was an, a perfectly reasonable result. You know, the results hadn't hadn't gone horribly wrong at that point in time you know they had, had a dodgy season the season before but they basically made the decision because they knew they they just knew and Jurgen Klopp had come on you know he said why 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 do we wait till he loses a few more games then we go and get Jurgen Klopp you move so I'm not saying that Dunfermline will have Jurgen, an equivalent of Jurgen Klopp hanging in the background or you know even though they've got German owners I think Jurgen's quite happy to see out a couple of years at Anfield but you know what I mean Sean you know this this whole Delaying things and delaying things. If you if if we can all see what's happening at Dunfermline, it doesn't feel like the right fit. It felt like me as if they should have done this on Sunday past. Yeah, um, I, certainly an argument for it, a hundred percent. I mean, we, we've looked at some of the results when we've spoken briefly about Dunfermline before, and, and losing two home games at the start of the season, and and in a bad fashion by three goals to. Party Thistle and, and Arbroath. Again, it's not to denigrate Arbroath at all. We know that Dick Campbell's done a great job there. They're flying this season. But for Dunfermline, that's unacceptable. That should be unacceptable um, for a club like that. Um, so there, there's certainly a case that you could make that, <laughs> that should have been done before. Um, I mean, yeah, we, know, we all know how clubs operate. Have they had a think about who they might want to come in? Probably, it's on at some level they will have had a, th- a think about that. Um, and I <laughs> and I get what you're saying about the danger of of, of giving a guy that one more game <laughs> with with the, the risk being that if he if he does get a result, <laughs> you, you could. I mean, teams get. I'm not saying Dunfermline they're going to get relegated this season, right? There's they should be able to turn it around. Whether it's with Peter Grant, it seems unlikely that it will be. But whoever comes in should be able to turn that around, and they'll be they'll be well safe come the end of the season. You would Falkirk. have thought. Falkirk's the one um, you would throw in, isn't it? Partick. Th- I know that Partick. This was with different circumstances, but you'd, you'd put Falkirk on a par with Dunfermline as in terms of size of club. But look where they are. They've they've dropped uh-huh. another one, and Dunfermline well, have dropped down to that level as well. They've been be- there before. Yeah. So I mean, the, the the point I was making is that you you give a guy another week, and let's say he gets a result, but let's say he loses another two after that. Teams teams get relegated on goal difference by one point. So all of the potential drop points that you, you that you might pick up now could be could be deadly to you. So if you if you if you acknowledge that there's a problem, then. Surely the the onus is on you to fix it as soon as you as soon as you identify it, rather than hanging fire and 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 letting the letting the rot continue, if you like. Yeah, no, that's that that would be my school of thought. Absolutely, Alan. You know, I mean, you know the back the sort of way things work, or the way things work at, behind the scenes at East End. You know, how involved will the the new owners be in this? 
But I mean, fundamentally, it'll be their call. I think um, it's it's a really interesting situation, and it's I think it's the reason why it will come to a head one way or the other relatively quickly. As the Dunfermline's new owners don't want their first season to be marked by one of the most unlikely relegation battles that the club have been in. It's it's just it's not a good way to fire the starters pistol on on their reign. It's uh, so. You know, Thomas Megill, you know, the former St. Pauli director who is now sporting director of, of Dunfermline, um, you know, he he did sign off on Peter Grant's appointment. He was behind it. He spoke to Peter Grant before the decision was made. However, he wasn't in Scotland. He wasn't able to play an active role in, you know, the recruitment process such as it was because... Chairman Ross MacArthur said that they didn't actually sit down and speak to any other candidates. They, they headhunted Peter Grant. They decided Peter Grant was their man fairly early. Um, so, uh, you know, while um, the new owners were behind the decision, they weren't as active as one could be if they were on the ground in Scotland. So, you know, I wouldn't say he's their man if you wanted to use a, a phrase like that, you know. So there will be a willingness to look elsewhere. There will be a willingness, perhaps, to do a more thorough recruitment process if it becomes apparent that things aren't working under Peter Grant. F- f- fundamentally, you know, there's a lot of good things going on at Dunfermline. They're yeah, about yeah. to they're a, about to sign off on new land for a training ground to build their own training ground. They're about to, um, as of 2022, incept uh, their youth academy again to bring through their own talent. This should be a period of positivity and uh, looking to a bright future at Dunfermline. The results on the pitch aren't allowing that and that won't be allowed to continue for too long because this is supposed to be the start of a, a bright new era and if that's not happening then then changes will ultimately be made. Yeah, well Jim, we'll, we'll move on to, to St Johnston now. I mean, the Saints are still needing their, their first league win of the season. They're up against an Aberdeen team. I don't. Did you did you think they would struggle? I, I must admit, I I was I wasn't convinced by the Stephen Glass, Glass appointment. I th- you know, I think the fans were so hell bent on on that. Just you know, I think they'd grown tired of of Derek McInnes. But I, I did I did think there would be a case of be careful what you be careful what you wish for. I hate saying that for for teams. I don't watch Aberdeen all the time. So listen. It was a perfectly reasonable wish to go in a different direction, but it's not always it's not always a better direction, is it? When you change things up, no. There was a weariness about um, <coughs> uh, Petrodri under Derek, like a lumpet. You know, the, the, uh, many of the Aberdeen fans were were weary. I think Dave Cormack, who had links anyhow through his, uh, you know, the fact that Dave's based in the states, you know, like a Scottish entrepreneur, but been based there for many years. Um, you know, was quite close to to Stephen. Um, I'm kind of of the view that the Aberdeen experiment, to some extent, is a wee bit like what's going on at United. There was a change of the guard, a a looking for freshness, different ideas. You know, United going with youth, Aberdeen, not quite the same, but, you know, Aberdeen are a bigger club than United. I mean, they've got the city to themselves and all the rest of it. I think it was an idea of freshness. Now, I mean, I wouldn't panic about the Aberdeen situation. I mean, I'm not a Don's fan. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they're sitting there at the moment on eight points. They're only four off the, yeah, only four off the oh, pace. No, you know, I mean, I it's know. they're in sixth position. They're four off the pace. United are only a point behind them. So neither two, neither of these two clubs should should be panicking at the moment. And, you know, and you do. I mean, while, you know, I think there's a tendency sometimes in football where you're not involved in the day-to-day kind of taking training and all the rest of which we're not. Um, to be a bit flippant about how people gel and mould, but people do. 
over a period of time in training and then on games on Saturday, dressing rooms get to know each other, new players coming in and all the rest of it. So I, I think, you know, it's, I mean, you're a long, long way from panic, I think, at a club like Aberdeen at the moment. But the truth of the matter is they are one of the big four or five in Scottish football. And they wouldn't have expected to be, you know, losing games, I suspect, to to Motherwell. Or maybe they would, because Motherwell have actually done a terrific job. You know, there's a lot of great things have gone on at Motherwell. I mean, you know, fan-owned club, smashing chief executive in Alan Burrows, um, good squad of players. They've, they've done well uh, over over the years. And they're sitting in fourth position at the moment, um, you know, deservedly so. But um, the, the, the argument with Aberdeen, I think it's a difficult one because to some extent, like Dundee United, generationally, there are still people who, although they haven't witnessed it themselves, have heard the, the tales of daring do, you know, um, winners of the Cup, Winners' Cup, the European Super Trophy, you know, uh, for a period under Fergie, you know, last, the last Scottish team to win the league, two, two league titles, you know, what, 30, 35 years ago now, you know. So the, to some extent, Aberdeen are kind of hidebound by a fantastic period uh, historically, well, in fact, before that, their, their, their history wasn't that much different from a Dundee or a Hibs or a Hearts. They were, you know, occasional winners of leagues and cups and things like that. But, you know, the Ferguson period cemented them as, as really, really something special. The third, in terms of appearances in, in Europe, the third most successful Scottish club of all time, United just behind them. Um, so Aberdeen's a mishmash of kind of different emotions and all the rest of it and expectations. Um, and and there, will, there will always be fans that, that are not happy. I'm slightly biased because he's a Dundee boy and I hope he does well. Um, whether he does or not remains in the fullness of t- uh, remains only to be seen in the fullness of time. But I don't expect that Dave Cormack's the type of guy that's going to whip the rug from under his feet anytime soon. So I think it's a building process at Aberdeen and see how the season goes. They've got lots of big plans. They're tied in with Atlanta and all the rest of it. But to kind of come back to Alan's point there about Dunfermline all of the great things that are going on around about, it's like Dundee United, there's loads of great things going on in the community, helping people with food banks and loads of things that the club are doing away from the, from the first team great youth set and all the rest of it ultimately at the end of the day, if the first team aren't performing, the bulk of fans don't give a damn they want to see, you know, on, on 90 minutes on a Saturday, whether you're a labourer or a lawyer or, a, you know, a neurosurgeon or a nurse, you go to have the cares of the week, lift it off your shoulders and you want to see your team winning. That's what counts. First team, that's what happened on Sunday in the Derby, by the way. Um, you know, you, you go to have the cares of the week expunged from your memory banks. Um, and Aberdeen and Dundee United both uh, happen to be in a particular circumstance where they have generationally, there are people who remember great, great periods uh, and both clubs are struggling to live up to that. But I don't think um, that Stephen Glass is, any da- is in any danger imminently or even in the short to medium term. But there is a sense, I think, of disappointment that things haven't gone into the stratosphere. Um, but that seldom happens in football. John, I mean, it's, it's no, uh, you know, no shock for St. Johnston to make a slow start to a league season and uh, the European thing certainly played into this one. It was, a, it was kind of an opportunity lost. You look at that, the, the, the sort of a kind fixture list. Uh, I think it was a, they should have been Ross County first game of the season, and then then it kind of kicked into the sort of you know the, the Thursday Sunday thing became a became a factor. It isn't anymore. Um, I thought the the Rangers game was I think again if that had been the, the St Johnson of last season, they'd have probably I think Callum absolutely nailed it if they'd if they'd gone another five minutes longer. Just after scoring the late, I think they, I think they probably would have won that game. You know, kind of like in the manner of which 
Dundee United beat Rangers, you know. It was a... Uh, Dundee United managed that game really, really well. Um, and, and St. Johnson just kind of lost their... They lost their, their heads a bit and and couldn't get it done. Uh, but... It's it's time to get put results on the board now, isn't it? Yeah, it needs it needs to happen. And I mean, the the, the next two games in the league, obviously, there's the the, the cup game um, sandwiched between them. But the, the next two are, are tricky ones. I mean, it's away at Aberdeen, then away at Hibs after that. So, um, not easy <laughs> either one of them. Um, so, a, a win a win is becoming really important. I think you're you're right about. It's no surprise to see St. Johnson not fly out of the traps at the start of a season. I don't think they tend to do that. Did it once, in... I think, under Tommy Wright, didn't they? When you remember, he, oh, he got the right. manager of the month. So they did. They were, they were top of the league at that well, point. Well, Halloran got the player of the month. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, then they, right. but then they didn't have one of their stronger finishes that season, funnily enough. No, so it, wasn't, no. it wasn't one that ended up in Europe. So yeah, That's true. But in, in the main, I think they, they tend to finish season start, start stronger than they start them, or they certainly have in, in, in recent memory. Um I'm I'm not I'm not unduly worried about them. Um, I, I, when I think about what I've seen from them this season, I, I do think the European games were a big factor uh, earlier in the season. Um, but the the performance against Rangers, I thought, was really good. I mean, obviously they weren't they weren't bossing the game, they weren't bossing possession and dictating it, but they performed really well. They did their jobs really well, and. Certainly, what I saw from maybe two key positions, if you like, um, at the back, where you might worry about the impact of, of Jason Kerr going. Um, I mean, James Brown did really well, and Hayden Muller. I think, from what I've seen of him so far this season, the more he plays, the better he's going to get. I think he's he's a, he's a right good player, so I'm not unduly concerned about that. And actually, the middle of the park as well. What I saw from Ali Crawford against Rangers, I was really impressed with. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he again. It wasn't. He, it wasn't wildly showy, but he did everything that he needed to do really, really well. He looked extremely competent. So I, I mean, having not watched a lot of him in recent years, when he's been down south, um, I, I don't. I'm not entirely sure how it's gone. I think you can, you can, you can obviously safely say that that recently. Uh, it hasn't yeah, gone brilliantly because he's because he's up here well. again. Started well, yeah, I think at Doncaster he, he was he was aye. doing well, and then yeah, the last year or a tailed half off I think a bit. It tailed off, yeah. But uh, I thought he looked really good. Um, up front is the is the the place that there's maybe still a wee bit of concern. But Vernon, when he came on, obviously only got ten minutes or so, something like that. Um, but he had that effort on goal, didn't he? It was sort of like a. <laughs> was it him that acrobatic yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, overhead think, kick? Any, thing? Anybody that tries that's got a bit of confidence in themselves. That's exactly yeah. what I took from it. I thought here we've got a maverick <laughs> on our hands here, uh, but I like to see that. So again, looking forward to seeing him. Hopefully, he can he can help uh, up top because that is that's it's where we've struggled often. But I mean, the the, the lack of goals are. are are, are problematic at the moment. That needs that needs sorted. Well, can't have so, uh, can't let Alan leave without a uh, resident Effie Ambrose expert. He's you know that was the uh, the Lothian beat was his for many a year. So come on, tell St Johnson fans what they can expect from from Big Effie. I'm a huge fan of Effie Ambrose. Uh, I think he has been 
rather kind of unfairly become a kind of figure Caricature. of yeah. mockery. Yeah, I, I think the best way to kind of say, uh, describe Effie is kind of nine times out of ten, he can look like one of the best defenders in Scotland, but it's that one time out of ten where he does something so inexplicable or plays so badly that it kind of is beyond the pale of what most more average defenders would turn out, even in their worst day. So it's it's he's a very very strange footballer in that regard, and and a lot of his errors will maybe come from an overconfidence or the fact he can be, um, you know, so cool in possession and have such self belief, but. You look at his CV, he's won the African Nations Cup. He's played in the last 16 of the Champions League with Celtic. He's got major honours coming out of his ears. He's The guy is top quality. And anybody that thinks you can fluke any of those achievements mm. or it's get to that level... 50-plus isn't it? 50-plus, yeah. Plus, yeah. A- anyone thinks you can get to that level... Uh, you know, by luck, is kidding themselves. The man is a top, top quality defender. And while he has his quirks and he has his nuances... Um, I think it's a terrific signing for for St Johnston. You like uh, you like the idea of Callum speaking to us at the start of the week, saying he, he sees him as the the right sided player in a, in a three. Will that will that suit him? I, I definitely think so. I, you know, I, I've enjoyed last season reading and listening to a lot of your work about um, Jason Kerr and the and the role that he played within the St Johnston team in terms of striding out and adding an extra man to midfield and, and starting attacks and. If you need someone to replace that, if you need someone who can do a similar thing and kind of break the lines from defence and start attacks, Effie Ambrose would be right at the top of your list of attainable targets because he has the ability and the confidence to do that. And I think Callum Davison is a bright enough manager and has shown that he's tactically adept enough to... um, perhaps predict you know some of the unsuccessful attacks that Effie might have you know on those occasions when he loses the ball I don't feel like a Callum Davidson team would be caught out by that I think he would make sure there's cover he would make sure that there is the stage there for Effie to play his best football whilst eliminating some of that risk so I think it's a cracking signer. Jim last word to you before we wrap up because it we didn't get the chance to speak. It happened on Saturday morning and just with the games and everything, it kind of got, you know, it was maybe a wee bit strange time and it got glossed over a wee bit. Callum Davidson signing that new contract. Now, we all know that, you know, contracts are contracts in, in football and that, you know, if, if a big club came in for Callum Davidson, you know, he would be, you know, he could well be, he could be well be away. But... It was a. Did you see it as an important symbolic thing as much as anything else, and just a galvanising thing for St. Johnson that you know here here I am I'm signing my new deal, we go again type thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the wake of what happened, you know, we're losing two of their top performers, their, their double winners. I think Saints fans needed something to 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 lift the lift the gloom a wee bit. I mean, you know, it seems bizarre to see a lift the gloom for a club that have, have have achieved something historically that few others will will ever match, let alone themselves. So I think that was important. And I know that you know there will be all the caveats. Undoubtedly, there will be. Um, a compensation clause in there and a, a release clause should some big English club come in, which I suspect they will do in the fullness of time with some, you know, some major offer to prize Callum away to their employment. But I think, you know, it, it, it was a big boost, um, both for the club, both for Saints, good for Callum as well and good for the dressing room because it gives, you know, it gives a sense of continuity and a sense of stability. So I think it was a good piece of business by Saints, a really good piece of business. Good stuff. Uh, well, thank you, gentlemen. And we'll look forward to the the derby and all the, uh, I was going to say thrills and spills. You might not get thrills and spills at East End Park, uh, Alan, but let's uh, 
let's listen, let's hope for some wins, eh? And I don't know Peter Grant. I don't, you know, but from what you say of, of dealing with him, you know, he's been a he's been a pretty sort of you know, he's not ducked any questions and all the rest of it. So, you know, you just hope that the way things pan out, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get ugly, shall we say. Uh, well, thanks again, guys, and thank you very much for listening. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.